Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I wanted to talk tonight, or at least have us begin to explore and we can um, have a conversation if this, if it leads to any place that we that might be interesting for you. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the Buddha um, and talk about him as an activist, as a, in some ways, a political revolutionary. He was a revolutionary in many ways. And I started to, um, you know, almost every week these days, I go through a, some ambivalence in my mind. Well, should I talk about some straight Dharma, some Sutta, some, uh, some classical teaching, uh, and hope that it can be applied to our contemporary life? Or should I talk about engagement uh, with so much going on in the world? Um, this is as intense a time as I can remember. And that's, it's amazing to hear that. It just, uh, because we've been through some pretty intense times, but with the, the virus and the um, lockdown or semi-lockdown uh, and the, all the racial strife and injustice and protests and the economy collapsing and this intense election. Um, it's, there's a balance between how to, how much to engage and how much to take a break and just uh, chill out and, and get quiet within ourselves. Mm. So, um, It occurred to me um, to explore about the Buddha and his relationship to the different um, issues of his day and to see that he was a true revolutionary, a true activist. And by the way, uh, I think next week I'm, I'm going to be um, getting into more contemporary uh, applications of, of the Dharma. Um, a new book just came out by Sharon Salzberg. Uh, I was hearing a podcast with her uh, yesterday. It's called Real Change, uh, Mindfulness, something like Mindfulness as Healing. I have it here. Real change, mindfulness to heal ourselves and the world. Um, and because uh, she's wrestling with these same issues as we all are. But I thought before going into uh, some of the stuff that she brings up and that I've been talking about 
uh, from time to time. I wanted to go back to the Buddha, the Buddha's life himself. Uh, and as, as you know, some of the, the great scholars uh, in our day, uh, Venerable Analio, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who've been so inspired by the Buddha, have become very vocal in, uh, in activism. And seeing the Buddha's life, um, I think, is a, a good example for that inspiration. You can see it right there in the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is not only about sitting quietly in a cave or out in the forest, but in the Eightfold Path, the Buddha said, we have to be living in harmony with our life in the world, right speech and action and our livelihood, because what we do, we affect each other. And so there's the sila is, or um, uh, morality virtue as the basis for a, a wise heart and the meditation practice, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, and then the, the wisdom aspect, right, uh, right understanding and right intention or right thought. So he has it right there that we are social beings. <clears throat> but there are many ways that he was a, a true activist and revolutionary. Um, and he addressed many wide issues of his time through his teachings. Um, here are some of the, some of the, the different areas that he addressed, and I'll go more deeply into a few of them. Uh, he was very, um, uh, had a lot of interaction with rulers and kings and authority figures. He, he would visit them, he would counsel them, he would um, uh, try to uh, maintain the peace, uh, and he set out some guidelines for what a good ruler does and the duties of a good ruler, which I'll, I'll share later on in the talk. Um, he was um, uh, a very vocal, um, he was very vocal against animal sacrifices, which were very prevalent in his time through the, um, uh, the Brahmanic uh, uh, leaders in their day, lots of animal sacrifices. And he said, no, this, this is not, not only not necessary, this is not uh, within the Dharma. This is not going to lead to more peace inside. So he was an animal rights activist. Uh, and we know how, um, how much activism there is around animal rights these days from uh, from PETA and veganism and how important it is in, in the climate issue. Um, he talked about the responsibilities of the rich, how to use their wealth and the responsibilities that they have towards those less fortunate. Um, he talked obviously a lot about consumerism, um, that the, the simpler life is the happier life, a life of simplicity and renunciation uh, and 
one of his basic teachings is, is to notice how you can be happy with, with less. Um, he warned against dependency on charismatic figures. And he said, don't believe anyone because they're the authority. Don't be swayed. And there, there were uh, uh, Brahmin rulers who became very jealous of the Buddha because he was saying that, um, that you should only follow a leader when they share the truth, they share the Dharma. And you should look to yourself for the truth inside as to what brings happiness and, and what brings suffering. Um, he spoke about the importance of ethics and, and morality from the beginning and not to engage in killing, of course, and non-harming and our livelihoods. He was a revolutionary anti-racist. He spoke against the caste system, which was prevalent throughout India when um, it was unheard of to speak that way. And he became um, a target for many, many Brahmins who would come and challenge him uh, and saying, um, you are, um, you're saying, uh, you're saying things against the caste system and this is, this is not, not true. This is uh, one who is born of a higher caste um, should have uh, greater uh, power and rights. And, um, and he would go back and forth in, in bantering with a caste person. Let me see, I had a, a couple of quotes here. He said, uh, Wicked and cruel people, as well as virtuous and kind people, are in every caste. One who commits a crime would be punished according to his karma, no matter what caste he belongs, he or she belongs. Uh, a person may be considered to have come from a high or low caste according to their good or bad deeds. The good and bad actions of a person, not their birth, should determine their caste. He said, by birth, one is not an outcast. By birth, one is not a Brahmin. By deeds alone, one is an outcast. By deeds alone, one is a Brahmin. <clears throat> and a lot of people... Uh, were very upset with his teaching on caste. There's a beautiful story that I, I've shared uh, at times in the teachings about this notion of high caste and low caste. And it's a story of a, of a low caste, an untouchable uh, called uh, Pataki. Sorry, Pakati. And here's the story. I'll read it to you. Ananda, the attendant to the Buddha, having been sent by the Lord on a mission, passed by a well near a village. And seeing Pakati, a young outcast woman, he asked her for water 
to drink. Bhakati said, O monk, I'm too humbly born to give you water to drink. Do not ask any service of me, lest your holiness be contaminated, for I am of low caste. I'm just reflecting on the systemic racism that we are becoming more and more aware of today, how internalized it is. Oh no, I would contaminate you if I gave you a glass of water. And he says, Ananda replies, I ask not for your caste, but for water. And the woman's heart leaped joyfully and she gave Ananda water to drink. Oh, she would not contaminate him. Please give me just water. I don't care what your caste is. And Ananda thanked her and went away, but she followed him at a distance. Having heard that Ananda was a disciple of the Buddha, the woman went to the Blessed One and said, Oh Lord, help me and let me live in the place where your disciple Ananda dwells so that I may see him and minister to him, for I love Ananda. And the Buddha understood the emotions of her heart and said, Pakati, your heart is full of love, but you do not understand your own sentiments. It is not Ananda that you love, but his kindness. Accept then the kindness you've seen him practice towards you and practice it towards others. Pakati, though you are born a low caste, you will be a model for noblemen and noble women. Swerve not from the path of justice and righteousness, and you will outshine the royal glory of queens and kings. And so one of the things that happened in the Buddha's um, dispensation, the time that he was um, teaching, was that many, many uh, outcasts, untouchables, became monks and nuns. It was the, the perfect way to find true acceptance and equality. And so you can imagine how this, this, uh, upset many of the uh, the Brahmins and the uh, the traditional leaders, and even to this day, by the way, uh, it's one of the ways that the untouchables in uh, in India and in Asia have become liberated. In India, there is this, a whole movement called the the um, uh, the uh, Dalits. The, they're called Dalits, but the uh, I forget now the name of the movement. It was started by this man, um, Ambedkar, uh, who, um, who taught to thousands and thousands, and still to this day, uh, thousands of untouchables have taken on robes and become Buddhists, or whether even if they, they are lay people, they become Buddhists because that is a way that they can escape from the caste system. So you can see here we are in the middle of our racial strife 
it's as contemporary as today's news and the Buddha 25, 2600 years saying, this is not how we judge people. You know, it's, it's, it's what Martin, Martin Luther King said, the content of the character is what, is what matters. So there he is, uh, an anti-racist. He was a pacifist. Obviously, he spoke against, um, against harm and hurt, and he actually tried to intervene and prevent war. And there's uh, one story between two clans, his own clan that he was, he was born into. He was the, in the, the Sakya clan, which was, it's the warrior caste. It's the second of the castes. There's the Brahmins and there's the warriors and then there's the merchants and then there's the untouchables. And the, uh, the Buddha was born into the, uh, the warrior caste. So his, um, his home um, country, the Sakyan, uh, the Sakyans shared a river with the Kolyas and the river was the Rohini River. And they, uh, there, there wasn't enough water to go to both, um, uh, both clans and what they would do would be they divert the water so that uh, some at times went to the the kolyas and they get their enough water for their crops and then they divert to the sakyans and they get enough and this worked out fine except for one time during the year when there was the dry season and at that time there wasn't enough water to, uh, to do this, to go in both directions. And there was a, an argument that broke out. And the, uh, the farmers, uh, the, the uh, Sakyans said, hey, uh, there's not enough for, for both of us. You give, let us, we want this water for our crops and then you can get yours. And obviously the Kolyas said the same thing. No, 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 no. We're not doing it like that. Um, we, we're, we want the water, not you. And this is the, uh, the farmers got into a quarrel. This is, uh, I'll quote the, the scriptures. The Kolyas said, you've threatened us by placing your reliance on the royal clan of Kapalavatu. That's where the, the Sakyas lived. These couple of Atu royal clan you depend on behave like common dogs and jackals of the forest, making their own sisters their wives. You know, how can you, you can follow your rulers who are so low as that? Okay, and then the, the uh, Sakyans retaliated no less acrimoniously You've threatened us by relying on your little lepers inflicted with horrible leprosy. The Kolya descendants on whom you lean for support are themselves in a miserable plight ever since they were banished from the city and they live like animals in the hollow of Kola trees. So, throwing sticks and stones and then the 
kings found out about this and they sent in armies to start a war over the rights and over being insulted. The Buddha gets wind of this and he magically, psychically appears just at the right time and he says, hold on a moment, what are you doing here? He says, what's worth more? The, the water that's running through the river or the, the blood that's running through your veins? And they say, oh, the blood is worth more. And by dint of his mm, strong presence and peaceful nature, he stopped the war. And so they learned that they needed to share and work together. Mm. If only there were, there was somebody who could come in, uh, in, in, in warlike times and, and be that powerful, uh, a presence. <clears throat> he was also someone who was clear on the qualities of a good ruler. And uh, I, I tried to find the, uh, the sutta. I couldn't find it, but I did find the, at least the, uh, the qualities. And this was um, the story, as I recall, <clears throat> there was a king who um, heard that there was some thievery going on in his kingdom. And he became um, incensed that there were uh, that that he was being robbed, and so he started meeting out very harsh punishments and hoarded his resources. And lo and behold, what happened as he did this? There was more crime, more fear, which just begat more and more violence. And the, the, the kingdom was riddled with crime and violence. The Buddha hears about this and the king says, I want to be a ruler where there's no crime in this land. I want to be a ruler of law and order, if I can use the word. And I, I don't want to have all of this discord. And the Buddha says to him, if you hold back resources from the people, they become hungry, they become desperate, they start to steal from each other and from you wherever they can. He says, if you want to find peace in your land and create peace in your land, it starts by being generous, by taking care of the needs of the people and giving them the resources that they need so that they won't be stealing from each other. And when they're not stealing from each other, they won't be violent with each other and you will find peace in the land. How simple and obvious. And the ruler said, oh, thank you for the advice. And then peace came to the land. And then he said, these are the 10 qualities 
of a good ruler. Donna, charity. Having willingness to sacrifice one's interests for the people. You might, as you hear these, take them in and reflect on the various rulers that we have. Sila, morality, having a high moral order in one's personal conduct. This is a duty of a good ruler. Altruism, being generous towards the people, avoiding selfishness. Honesty, fulfilling one's duties with loyalty and integrity. Gentleness, being kind and gentle and never arrogant. Tapa, self-control, to perform one's duties with dispassion. Akoda, non-anger, remaining calm in the midst of confusion. Ahimsa, nonviolence, being nonviolent, not persecuting the people. Kanti, forbearance or patience, practicing patience in one's duties. And avirodhana, uprightness, respecting public opinion, promoting harmony. The ten duties of a good ruler. Mm. Sounds good, doesn't it? Mm. And this is what we're hungry for. And this is what leads to peace and harmony in the land. And this is uh, what leads to discord if the opposites are uh, are prevalent. And so it behooves us if we want peace and harmony to support leaders that have those qualities. Now finally, just bring it back to a more contemporary expression with Bhikkhu Bodhi's A Challenge to Buddhists. I, I've shared this a number of times. Mm -hmm. The special challenge facing Buddhism in our age is to stand up as an advocate for justice in the world. A voice of conscience for those victims of social, economic, and political injustice who cannot stand up and speak for themselves. This, in my view, is a deeply moral challenge, marking a watershed in the modern expression of the Dharma. I believe it points in a direction that the Dharma should take if it is to share in the Buddha's ongoing mission to humanity. 
Bhikkhu Bodhi, one of the premier translators of the Buddha's teachings. So if you have this, these thoughts, you know, just, just give me a sutta, just give me a, a, a teaching that can lead to my own inner peace. Do we have to really keep on messing around with all of, all of that stuff out in the world? The Buddha did. When there was cruelty and hatred and acrimony, this is where the Dharma can heal. And of course, there needs to be a balance between the inner and the outer. And we need to modulate how much we can take in and we need to find peace inside, but not to think that that's all of what practice is about. We find peace inside so that then we can bring peace out into the world. So maybe I'll just stop here and um, you can open it up. Any comments, any questions, any anything, whether it's about the, the talk or about, about practice? Uh, yes, I just wanted to thank you for this list of these 10 items for leaders because I've been struggling with how to communicate with people about our current situation in, in ways that that might be uh, that people might resonate with, you know, and so these are these are this is a wonderful list of qualities, you know, of leadership that we all really wish for, um, and and you don't see this kind of language in the political realm. You see just the opposite. You see just you know uh, just back and forth and uh, degradation of of opposites, um, and so. This just gives me some, you know, some fodder to try to rethink how I might try to talk to people. But I, I'm not very optimistic in the current environment that uh, even framing it in these ways would actually sway people to think more deeply and more clearly about what's, what we're going through and what we're personally going through. And that would change their minds about how they would want to, you know, uh, see the kinds of changes that we would all like to see. Hmm. Well, if you, um, what do you do? How, what do you, how do you approach friends who, uh, who, who, who wouldn't see it this way? Well, I, I, I'm not very good at it actually, because most of the friends I have think the same way I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> And but there are a few that I've been thinking about contacting. There's only very few in my my uh, bubble of people, and mm-hmm. um, but I've been I've been thinking a lot about how it would approach them. And the one thing that the one thing that I came up with is just the um, you know three poisons you know greed, hatred, and ignorance. Um, but I'm not sure that actually goes over well either with those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure they would really understand it. And so there's got to be a different way and different 
messaging or context to to present it i think and mm -hmm. so this is this is going to help me think this through about how to do that i would like to be more activist myself you know in terms of talking to people because i think that is a great possibility i've done that a little bit in the past but not enough mm. well first uh, uh it, it's important to i think it's important to see that uh to understand that you won't be able to be heard by by everyone. Even the Buddha, one of my favorite names for the Buddha is the teacher of, uh, the Buddha was called the teacher of those who could be taught. Right. That not even the Buddha could get through to everyone. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and look at Jesus. Certainly he, he wasn't able to get through to everyone. So there are, there might be some people that have uh, so much in their conditioning that they are not able to see through their confusion and their ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you are in, in that kind of encounter in the best of all worlds, uh, it seems to be, if you're able to do it, listening is a good way to start. Because if you're listening, even to just be curious, say, what would make this person think the way they do? You know, you can make it like an anthropological study. <laughs> oh, that is exactly the kind of question I con con contemplate having with people. You know, how did you get here? You know, how did you get this frame of mind or this belief system? You know, how did it Although you, you have to say it with, with true curiosity rather than uh, a, a, the, a, a touch of contempt underneath it, you know, right. because if you say, you know, how did you end up the way you are? <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked is, is not probably going to be the response. But if you're truly curious, oh, what goes into your thinking? I really want to understand your perspective on things and if you say it with some kind of respect and curiosity it seems to be that's at least a, a better opening gambit than trying to convince or uh or debate um, so but you you want to be sure you've got the energy for it and the and the curiosity for it and other than that, there's a whole lot of people that are ready to hear if they only could. It's like the Buddha saying he, he saw there were just a few with many people with just a little bit of dust covering their eyes. So, um, so you want to pick and choose the energy that you, that you put out there in the world. Um, and good luck. I know you care so much about about this world, Tom, and you work so um, tirelessly to make this a better world. So I hope it's a nourishing process and not a frustrating one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Hi. You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there, is that better? <laughs> Sorry about that. I wanted to put in a plug for a book that was um, announced, a one 
um, Thursday night, back when we were still meeting on Thursday nights in person, when you were out of town and there was a different guest teacher, I don't remember who the teacher was, but um, someone, um, the, the author actually showed up, Erica um, Edelson, um, has a book called Beyond Contempt, How Liberals Can Communicate Across the Great Divide. Mm. Um, and it, it particularly struck a, a note with me on, uh, what was the date, November 4th, N November 9th, four years ago, um, I was talking to a, a close colleague of mine who I've been, been working with very closely for years. And he just suddenly let loose um, about, um, you know, all of his relatives voted for Trump and all of, uh, you know, all of the, the liberal elites on the coasts were just disdaining uh, all of his clan. And I, I was thinking, well, I, I mean, I, it, <laughs> it was just a, an, a it, it blindsided me completely because we had talked about all kinds of things that I thought were, you know, we were compatible about and stuff. And it's like, somehow there was uh, what came across at least unintentionally and without any awareness was, um, you know, every time I would say something about, you know, climate change and how obvious it is. And what about those people that, that don't believe in uh, climate change is anthropogenic, chuckle, chuckle or something like that. And for him, that was just, you know, a knife um, that was, was grinding in a wound. Um, and for me, it was like, you know, I, I've lived in Berkeley all my life, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it was like, oh, so there's, there's, there's you know, he's really intelligent. Um, and basically, as far as I can tell, completely good hearted. And yet, really, in very, very many ways, very different minded. Um, and it's just, it's an interesting, you know, so we've carried on, a, you know, a, a intermittent uh, email uh, thread. Usually he sends me uh, articles alleging to not promote, not believe in climate change being anthropogenic or dangerous or whatever. But it's, but it's really interesting exercise to try to um, say, well, how can I, you know, what you were talking about with, with Tom now, I guess, is how can we listen and be curious <laughs> without going, how in the friggin' world did you come up to that position? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I start to listen like that, you know, really kind of an interesting, astonishing thing was, you know, during, I, I listened to Trump's speech, um, you know, the, the convention speech. I was going, okay, so I, all of these, a lot of these things actually would resonate with a part of me. I'd go, okay, so I, you know, I think that police should be respected. And I think that, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, suppress violence in the streets, maybe, or something like that. And then I would back up and I'd go, but, you know, let's put this all in the context and I would revise it and, and, and see, you know, and, you know, so, so all of the points that he's, that Trump would say out of context would resonate with me. And within context, they suddenly become kind of a 1984-ish sort of newspaper um, that, you know, is, is true if you just buy into the story at face value. So I don't know. So, so that, that book, um, Beyond Contempt, is just a really a fascinating study of saying, 
how can we learn to listen with respect and go, um, oh, what's, what's her name that has the practice? Um, so-and-so is such and such a way, just like me. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know who that was, right? That says that one of, uh, one of Ram Dass's closest friends at the end, um, a woman, um, just, just like me is the practice. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a really interesting practice, almost anything we can, we can, you know, phrase it carefully and say this person, you know, wants calmness in the streets, just like me. This person, mm -hmm. you know, wants people to respect the laws, just like me. Finding the common ground. Yeah, finding the common ground and finding that, that you know, hey, um, really, in a, in a sense, what do we, you know, genetically, we share 99.5% of all of our genes across, you know, every human being. And, uh, you know, 26% of our genes with bananas. But, um, just like me. <laughs> just like me. Yeah. And, and to, to, to realize that most of what we have, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're all really kind of in this together, trying to make sense of, of a world that's, you know, let's say less than perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Beyond contempt. Right. Anyone else? Going once. Going twice. Okay, then let's uh, let's have a final dedication. So, just getting in touch with your care in your heart and your yearning for inner peace and as this is what you want just like you we all want inner peace and we all thrive in outer harmony so may our coming here together nourish that inner peace and wisdom and goodwill and may we share whatever fruits of our practice that we create here together with all beings everywhere and the planet may all find happiness and peace Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.